Welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast, an examination of the Bible on how parents can apply God's Word to raising kids in a culture saturated with media and technology. We look at everyday issues from a biblical worldview so that you can trust the sufficiency of Scripture and apply its truth to your life as you raise and disciple your kids. Hello, friends and fellow brave parents. I am Kelly Newcomb, one of your hosts, and I am joined by my friend Chelsea Hazel. Hello, everyone. We are so thankful that you've tapped the play icon and you're here with us today. But we've got a show for you. That is true. We said in our last episode, it was a doozy, the last show was. But um, today, it's about to get doozier. Is that a word, Kelly? I mean, I know like last time I made up a word. We can just keep making up words if you want to. I don't know, I don't know if doozier is a word, but I kind of like it. And I agree. <laughs> this episode is going to arise some passion, definitely some passion from Chelsea and I, and probably all the brave parents who are listening, some passion from you as well. Frankly, it's full of terrible and tragic statistics brought forth and perpetuated by progressive ideologies. But as parents, as Christians, we need to take this information, discern it, and then rise up to the occasion. Absolutely. Yes. 100%. This is going to be a hold my earrings kind of episode, I think. <laughs> so let's jump into it. This is our Worldview Wednesday, and we are just talking about one piece of news that generated hundreds of headlines. So here's just a handful of the headlines. U.S. teen girls experiencing increased sadness and violence. That came from the CDC newsroom on February 13th, 2023. That's where we're going to be getting most of our information is from the CDC here. PBS.org put out the headline, CDC data shows U.S. teen girls in crisis with unprecedented rise in suicidal behavior. CNN.com put out the headline, teens, especially girls, are experiencing more violence, suicidal thoughts, and mental health challenges, CDC survey finds. And the Washington Post wrote, CDC report on teen mental health is a red flag. Now, these are just a handful of the headlines shared last week as the CDC released its Youth Risk Behavior Survey for 2021. Now, I'm not exactly sure if it just takes two years to compile the data, and that's why it's just now being released in February 2023, but I guess I'm led to assume that that is the case. Now, let me be honest. These headlines are the strongest form of clickbait for me. I see them and I'm standing up, my heart is racing while I am pacing and reading every single word of the research because I always want to know, what does media and technology have to do with this statistic? When I see statistics about young people, I'm immediately drawn in, especially when it comes to depression, suicide, all of that, knowing that media and technology play such a role. And so while I'm saddened and shocked by the numbers the CDC put out, which we will get to in a second, there is a whole other greater tragedy in this data and in this article, and it was the solutions that is suggested by the CDC. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we come from the same ideological and theological backgrounds, Kelly, but I cannot agree with you more. While the CDC lost a lot of Americans' trust during the COVID pandemic, the research presented here, I don't know, it's most likely sound. I mean, we can assume this because it certainly doesn't portray youth, especially female youth, and even more so LGBTQ plus youth. It doesn't portray them in a positive light. So this research doesn't actually 
further the agenda of gay rights or that all love is love or that tolerance leads to equity and that LGBTQ plus lifestyle, it doesn't hurt anyone. So why make a big deal about it? Which I kind of found shocking, honestly, like as we went through this article, that was that was interesting. And unfortunately, this whole love is love. Why make a big deal about it? This is exactly what our national government is pushing. And I say that based on President Biden's State of the Union address this month, where he stated as much. So considering that they are publishing data that goes against the ideologies which they make the cornerstone of their policy agendas, I don't know. It kind of gives me more confidence that the research is accurate, yeah. which, as we get into the numbers, tragic. It is tragic. Yeah. And listen, we really wish, Chelsea and I really wish, that we could just talk about Jesus and how we can be the best parents to our beloved children without ever mentioning politics. But that is now impossible. Online media content has drowned that ship of ignorance. It's just gone. It's not coming back. It's kind of like how Ali Beth Stuckey says, we have to talk about politics because politics matter, because policy matter, because people matter. And this is a reality that we can no longer run from as parents. But we really must learn how to discern like what's going on, process it as Christ followers, and then teach our kids and raise and disciple them with a biblical worldview, understanding how what our government is doing and the ideologies and the agendas that are being pushed on them, how that is going to affect them and their behavior. I 100% agree with you. I like to think of it in reverse, though. People matter, therefore policy matters, and therefore politics matter. And it, if you think of it like that, it destroys the idea of moral relativism. And moral relativism is the idea where I may not do one lifestyle, like participate in it, but it's completely okay for other people to participate in it. This is moral relativism. We're seeing it in the abortion argument. We need to be willing to just say, no, it's not good for everyone because people matter. That's right. And we create policies on that because people matter. I agree. And this is exactly what we are dedicating one whole episode to this one set of research that produced these hundreds of headlines. So before we talk about the research findings, let's highlight a few research details. Okay, so the Youth Risk Behavior Survey is conducted every two years, and they started doing this in 2011. So this is actually the first, uh, this is the dec decade mark. They've been doing this for 10 years. And it's put out by CDC's Division of Adolescent School Health, which is abbreviated DASH. They take a nationally representative survey of U.S. high school students. Okay, so immediately we can take away a couple things. Number one, this is high school students. This is not middle school students, which honestly, I don't even know if I could bear the data that would be produced when these questions are asked of middle school students. I think it would be even more tragic. Um, number two, these are public school adolescents. This is not representative of students who are homeschooled or students who attend private schools. Yeah. And let me add in number three, because you can't have all the fun. This is a representative sample of the Gen Z in the public school system. So considering that only 2% of millennials even have a biblical worldview, according to a recent Barna study, it's not hard to imagine that less than 2% of Gen Zs in public school would have a biblical worldview or would even consider themselves Christians because, as of right now, 
Christians are an oppressor group and no one wants to be labeled as an oppressor. So there's that. And we say this so that you can understand, ultimately, this may or may not be representative of your child based on where they attend school. If you homeschool or your kids attend private school, these numbers are not reflective specifically of them. But if they are in public school, they are technically part of these numbers. So let's look at their findings. One in five teen girls experienced sexual violence, which was a 20% increase. More than one in 10 teen girls reported that they were forced to have sex, which was a 27% increase. And, and it was the first time they've ever seen this statistic increase. Yeah, let me jump in. I might want to refer the listener back to our episodes number 79, 80, 81, and 82 in October of 2021 when we talk about pornography and the destruction it causes, such as this forced sex that we just heard you say. One in 10 girls are being forced to have sex, 27% increase. Where on earth is that coming from? Oh, I don't know. Maybe pornography? Okay, sorry. Mm -hmm. No, you're absolutely (laughs) right. You are spot on. Um, Another statistic to look at is three in five girls felt persistently sad and hopeless, a marker for depressive symptoms. It was up nearly 60% since 2011. More than one in four girls reported they seriously considered attempting suicide in 2021, which was nearly up 60% from 2011. And this last one, Kelly, it is hard to say this. More than one in 10 girls reported that they attempted suicide which was up 30% from 2011. So like, honestly, we could just stop right there and have a whole discussion on how much this breaks our hearts and hopefully the listeners' hearts as well because we don't ever want a person to check any of these boxes or to feel any of these things. I don't care what groups you identify with. What we just listed is heartbreaking and it should stir up our hearts with compassion. But sadly, since everything is politicized, This is where they're going to throw in their politics and politization, politization, however you want to say it, man, that just like breeds apathy. And so that compassion we just felt, as I list these next statistics, do not let the politics breed apathy and overrun the compassion in your heart. Because still, again, we don't want anyone to ever identify with these statistics. Okay, so they sandwiched the sad sexual violence stats that we just read in between the safety concerns and bullying that LGBTQ plus students face. So one in 10 LGBTQ plus students did not go to school because of safety concerns. One in four were bullied at school. 23% of the group of LGBTQ plus students experienced bullying versus 12% of heterosexual individuals. Nearly one in four experienced sexual violence. 22% folks of LGBTQ plus relationships experience violence versus 8% in hetero. One in five were forced to have sex. That's a a 20% within LGBTQ plus relationships versus 5% in hetero. And then the mental health was even worse. Nearly three in four LGBTQ plus experience persistent feelings of sadness and hopelessness. Almost 45% considered attempting suicide, 37% made suicide plans, and 22% attempted. And overall, LGBTQ plus teens, they were abusing higher, they were abusing substances at higher rates 
than their heterosexual peers. Kelly, this is tragic. This is awful news. It is awful for news. our girls. And Chelsea, our listeners may recognize the language used here if you listen to our last Worldview Wednesday, episode 93, because it is actually the same data. Um, but our what we listed uh, in episode 93 was a little bit older. I think ours was from two years prior in 2019. When we quoted this, when we talked about Gaggle removing the LGBTQ plus keywords from the school accountability software, we gave the CD stats about the increased violence, sadness, and suicidal risk for youth within the LGBTQ plus community in order to prove that children identifying as part of this community are not as safe as youth engaged with heterosexual relationships. And thus, yes, they still need to be watched over through school accountability software. Because even though these words weren't, quote, relevant anymore, they said, for our generation, they're still concerning because this group of people are at such high mental health risk, such violence, such, I mean, substance abuse, all of this. So I remember thinking, as I linked the data in our show notes, I thought, oh, man, this data's kind of old. It's like four years old. And But little did either of us know that just you know, days after the podcast dropped, this newest research would be released. When I saw the headline, I was like, are you kidding? This is, <laughs> this is crazy. But what's sad is that I thought the numbers were bad from 2019. This news is like way worse than what we shared two weeks ago. I mean, this is awful. Yeah. So we're going to circle back to some of these numbers in just a minute. But first, I want to discuss some of the general comments made by the CDC. We're going to link the entire report in the show notes. And it's, it's actually fa- fascinating. They make lots of great graphs to help show you the trends and everything. But here's what they say. Quote, young people in the U.S. are collectively experiencing a level of distress that calls for action. Man, Brave Parenting agrees. Yes. Yes, we need calls for action because there are things that we can do as parents to change. We need to do things differently. They go on to say, quote, while the primary goal of schools is academic learning, they also play a critical role in shaping mental, physical, and social growth. More than 95% of children and adolescents in the U.S. spend much of their daily lives in school, providing a considerable opportunity to foster the knowledge, skills, and support needed to help prevent and reduce the negative impact of violence and other trauma and improve mental health. Really? I don't mean to say that they don't play a role, but do they actually play more of a role than social media and online content such as porn? I mean, let's measure the influence here. Come on. I agree with you. I agree. But hold that thought, right? Because we're going to, it's going to get better. They state that their solutions are to support schools. And I get it because they're doing this survey in schools. So this is one of their solutions. And, you know, public school is a government, essentially, entity. So supported by government money. So they state that supporting schools in the following efforts can ensure success. So they provide three efforts. Okay, number one is increasing the sense among all students that they are cared for, supported, and belong at school. They go on to say that because LGBTQ plus and ethnic minorities don't feel as connected, so they need teachers and mentors connecting these teens to community outreach and clubs. I don't know. I, I just immediately think, like, this is such my personal opinion. I don't even 
think that these kids want to be connected to community outreach and clubs. I think they just want to be connected to online. I would 100% agree with you. Or video games. Right. Or something like that. I mean, that's... Absolutely. That's Mm -hmm. my thought. Okay, so (laughs) going on to number two. Increasing access to needed health services, including mental health and substance use prevention services, whether provided on site or through connecting youth and families to community-based sources of care. Now, I agree. It is really hard to find a counselor. It's hard to find a psychiatrist if you're experiencing mental health. That is a big thing. It's going on across the U.S., so I can see what they're saying. But let me note that when they say that um, they're going to connect youth and families to community-based services of care, that is the only time in the entire report that they mention the word families. Wow, are you serious? The only time that they ever met, that, that I could see, and I really looked for it, they only mentioned that, which we're going we're gonna to circle back around to that as well in just a minute. But, okay, so they're going to increase your access to services, mental health services. Okay, that's not, that's not the worst. I get it. And number three, implementing quality health education. That is medically accurate, developmentally appropriate, culturally and LGBTQ plus inclusive, and grounded in science. I, don't, I mean, where do I begin? I have so many thoughts right now. It might just come out like a gigantic like water fountain of like garbly gook, but there are so many things to talk about in this. Okay, so connecting teens to community outreach and and stuff and then providing families with whatever care and science, like by who or what standard? I'll acknowledge how they invalidate their own statement by claiming the health education was medically accurate. Again, by who or what standard? Are we are we looking at them as image bearers of God or are we looking at them as evolved apes? And it's grounded in science? Again. By who or what standard? While, Kelly, all at the same time, being LGBTQ plus inclusive. Yeah, you can't, you can't make it medically accurate and grounded in science by denying male and female. A hundred percent. But if you're going to make it inclusive to the whole LGBTQ plus community, you're saying that there isn't male and female. So how on earth can you be grounded in science and medically accurate? You can't. It's not possible. You can, it's not possible. And let's just let's just really consider what their definition of care is when they want to connect families with community-based sources of care. I mean, go read the articles on the whistleblower in St. Louis right now on the trans-affirming care that was given to families. Yeah, it's totally true. I'm sorry. What were their other suggestions? I just I well, had a moment. Yeah. No, regarding <laughs> regarding that, I knew you were gonna have something to say about that last one. Well, regarding this last point, they say that this quality health education can help prevent violence and reduce mental health challenges by equipping teens with the essential knowledge and skills, such as negotiating sexual consent, managing emotions, and recognizing and asking for the help they need. Okay, other than that, that's really it. This is how they plan to act in order to reverse this trend of sadness, hopelessness, sexual violence, and suicide amongst teen girls and LGBTQ plus youth. Uh, Programs. They're going to implement more programs. Because programs cure, right? Is that what what we've learned over the past 25 years? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I can immediately think of a few alternative solutions. What about social media and video gaming and other online content, such as porn, that teens are taking in, especially girls? 
These are factors that are majorly, majorly contributing to the violence, even the sexual violence and the hopelessness and the sadness and the substance abuse, which they use to cope with the depression and the hopelessness and the sadness. All of these, all of these are terrible trends that are normalized and glorified on the internet, which just so happens to be where they spend all of their time. Even in school, ask any teacher, what is their number one complaint? Kids on their phone during class. I have issues so much of their solutions. And, you know, what also gets me, and I'm just going to stand on a soapbox here for just a second, is, you know, they point to these needed health services. And it seems so ironic, you know, as a government agency, let's create more programs, you know, more services to mitigate the problem that we've already created, which is the legalization of marijuana, because marijuana is a huge deal in high school. Vaping, huge deal in high school, probably more so than even alcohol at this point. I talk to so many parents who are facing the issue of vape and marijuana and the combination of the two. Why is it such a problem? Because it's legalized in so many places. Even if it's not, marijuana is not legal in that state, Kids, teenagers are not being carted in so many places. Uh, These vape shops that sell THC in the form of like cake packets or Delta 8 pods that you can put in a vape pen and then you're just vaping and you're doing it at school and they're doing it in the classroom, they're doing it in the bathroom, they're doing it on the school bus. It is a gigantic problem. And as we talked about in episode number 73, modern marijuana use, there's a strong connection to psychosis and mental health issues with the use of this high-potency marijuana. So it's just like this circular problem that policy is driving. We're legalizing marijuana. Why? Because money? Because we just want to make people happy. We want to be able to help people cope. But it's destroying our children. And then we're trying to create new programs to help the destruction of children. Right. And then we affirm them in their destruction and keep them there. They get stuck. I I absolutely agree. This is why people matter. Therefore, policy matters. What gets put into policy, what becomes law, what the government does, what they push on us, it really does matter because it affects our kids. And another point that I just keep thinking is that these solutions are based on the assumption that teens today still hold a respect and a desire to be mentored by adults. Like I'm not I'm not saying it doesn't happen at all, but overall Teens have always sought autonomy from adults. 15 and 16, oh my gosh, you guys. Awful, like that is hard, If you've been at 15 and 16, you know, like the the desire for autonomy is real. It is real, yes. And now, and now in the age of internet where adults are not needed, because hey, YouTube and TikTok and Pornhub, right? They have all the answers. So I I mean, I'm, I'm really left wondering if, they have like implemented these strategies and seen like successful results. Like, is there a study on this, Cal? Is there something that we could use to like? Well, you know, they use a lot of fancy words to make it sound like that this is founded in such scientific research that this is bound to work. It's bound to. We're just going to place it all in a theory. It's bound to. It's got to. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially kind of what they say if you read the wording. You know, you really have to focus because this type of jargon that they use in, in research studies like this. It's so wordy that you have to like, think, what are you really saying? Is there an actual scientific approach here? Is there actual results that have been proven? But based on what you said, so it's funny because I went back to the 2019 Youth Behavior Risk Survey to see what they recommended 
back in 2019. So here's, I just listed the results of 2021, their suggestions. So back in 2019, one of the things that was suggested for schools to do was to create gay straight alliances, to implement anti-harassment policies, and to develop programs to improve staff support of LGB youth. Y'all, LGB youth is what the 2019 survey says. Notice that there was no QT+, which only goes to show the QT+, is not now and has not been normal. And just because we have these ideological bullies trying to make something normal that has never been normal before doesn't mean it's really normal. Clearly, it's not normal because these kids are not living their best lives. They are sad and suicidal because deep down inside, they know it's not normal. Because they know deep down inside that they are an image bearer of God. They can cognitively deny their biology, but they can never run away from the image that God made them in, male and female, who are to come together in marriage and become one flesh. Not male and male, not female and female. Anything outside of this is not normal, no matter how much school or social media platforms or even the president wants to affirm it. And these stats prove this. And I kind of just want to say, did those gay straight alliances, the implementation of anti-harassment policies and the developed programs of staff support for these LG- LGB youth, did it work? Are we in a better place in 2021? That is a good question. I mean, I think the stats prove that no. Right. That whatever their suggestions were to help the problem did not work, which makes us wonder, are these 2020, 2021 solutions going to work? <laughs> Here in 2023, there's no, I mean, not to say I'm pessimistic, but I'm a little concerned whether or not they're actually going to do something. Okay, so I digress a little bit. So here's another key point that is left out of the conversation, but was very much present in 2019. So listen to what the 2019 report says, quote, while schools are critical in helping students reduce health risk, families and communities have an equally important role to play in making sure the nation's youth stay healthy now and into adulthood. Research shows that schools and families can protect against risks by increasing connectedness. Families can do this by staying engaged in their adolescents' daily lives and talking to adolescents about their values. Families. Families, yes, 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 yes. This is exactly what the ideological bullies they do. They dismantle the family unit. This is postmodernism at work. This is seen in schools, books, cartoons, drag queens teaching young children about consent. Don't get me started on that soapbox. Teaching children that it's okay, if not better to hide information from their parents, especially if it involves sexual identity. This is seen by parents having their children. They're getting removed from their homes. They're having their custody taken away when they don't affirm a child's decision to change genders. The only people in the world who care most about a child are that child's parents. Sadly, there are exceptions where a few parents They can care more about themselves than their children. We would know we're adoptive parents. But overall, 
the government, the schools, or even the community, they're, they're never going to care about a child's well-being more than that child's parents do or does. But our new cultural stance is that, hey, children can be adults. They can consent to sex. They can consent to sexual identity and drug use and violence. They don't, they don't need those pesky parents because parents are oppressive and parents hinder the progressive nature of our society. And even worse, parents, this is Roth Kelly, they teach morals and values that contradict what the schools and the woke mob wants. How dare they? I know. How dare they, those parents, teach morals and values? Pesky this, parents. Yes. This language is so acutely missing in this 2021 results that released last week. Values, they said in 2019. Values, families, teaching values. How profound that 2021 talks about inclusion and equality and absolutely nothing about values, nothing about parents. Mm -hmm. It's Yeah, it, we definitely have to be concerned. But because that's because inclusion and equality, they're not values in our current economy. They're agendas. And you cannot push morality and value systems while simultaneously pushing agendas that aim to destroy children. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's evil is what it is. It is straight up evil. Sorry, not sorry. So there, yeah. so there I mean, obviously, we, you can see our concerns with the politicization of this data. I mean, the data itself is concerning. But what they're doing with the data and their solutions, like I said in the beginning, it's equally tragic. So to get to the bottom line, we just have to say as parents, as brave parents, as Christ followers, what do we need to do? Like, how can we answer the question of why are so many girls and the entire LGBTQ plus community, why are these people suffering? Why are they so sad? Why are they hopeless? Why are they abusing substances? And why are they experiencing sexual violence? So Brave Parenting would like to suggest five reasons. Five reasons Chelsea and I believe is really the answers to this. And based on these five reasons, and really we could probably go on for more reasons, what we need to do based, based on these five reasons. So the first one, yeah, is to us the most obvious issue is social media. And we don't have to belabor this point because you as a listener have almost 100 other episodes where you can listen to us do just that. <laughs> but I was thinking about these books. The first one is titled American Girls, Social Media, and the Secret Lives of Teenagers by Nancy Jo Sales. Kelly, this was published in 2016. There's another book. It's called iGen, Why Today's Super Connected Kids Are Growing Up Less Rebellious, More Tolerant, Less Happy, and completely unprepared for adulthood and what it means for the rest of us. This one was written by um, Jean Twenge. Is I'm, am I saying that right? Twenge? Yeah. This one was published in 2017. Both of these books highlight all of the issues that teen girls were facing. And it's still, they, they kind of predicted it. The writing was on the wall in these books. Like, we are literally reading the results of the 2021 Youth Risk Behavior Survey. They predicted everything we just read. At what point are we going to start listening to what people have been saying for almost five years and stop letting kids on social media? What, when are we going to do it? These books were when? really fascinating, and I used them in my, when I wrote my own book. 
um, they're not biblically based or Christian or anything like that. They're just more of social anthropology, you know, kind of what's going on in the world. Um, They're super fascinating. And I'll link them in the show notes. But it just goes to show they were saying in 2016, 2017, it is not going to fare well for our girls. This is not healthy trends. What they're doing on social media is not good. Here are the numbers that we've already seen. And now, granted, they don't really propose any solutions. They're just providing the data. But Brave Parenting's been providing the solution. We've been saying, don't let your kids on social media at young ages. They can't handle it. They just can't handle it. So I've already said it a thousand times. Let me move on to number two. Okay, the number two reason. Parents who want their kids to be happy. I might get some pushback on this one. But listen, my parents tell me when I was growing up, they did not care if I was happy or if I liked them. And I have so much respect for and love for them today because they did the absolute hard work of giving me what I needed, not what I wanted. And there is a dangerously destructive pattern occurring in modern families where happiness and feelings rule over values, over morals, traditions, or even basic right and wrong. The results of this study prove this. Okay, our kids are not happier. They're not safer with unrestricted smartphones that they can keep in their room all night long and do whatever they want. They're not finding happiness and hope in their unlimited TikTok scroll. They think that they will, but they're not. This proves it. They are certainly not happier when we allow them to embrace or identify in the LGBTQ plus community. They're not happier. They're not safer. They're more suicidal. We've got to start parenting with truth and stop parenting just to have happy children. Amen. I could belabor it longer, but that's just the reality. We need to bring back some like 70s and 80s parenting, right? Okay. So the third reason is the rejection of God's created order for male, female, and sex. Uh, Honestly, we only need to read the book of Genesis to be reminded that God made humans, male and female. The woman came from the man, which is why when they unite in marriage and in sex, the two become one again. Anything lived outside the created reality that has ruled the earth and mankind for thousands of years rejects the creator himself. And as Romans 1 says, suppresses the truth with righteousness. We are all found guilty because we suppressed this truth at one point. And verse 19 says that because what is known about God is evident, because God is evident in his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature, which are clearly seen in the created order and being understood by what has been made. So they're without excuse. We have all been without excuse. And verse 25 says that they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they worshiped the creation rather than the creator. Kelly, I'm just going to, this is where a lot of the hopelessness, where a lot of the nihilism is coming from is because they don't have a creator that they can worship. And everyone, I'm going to repeat it again, everyone knows God's created order. No one actually believes that a girl can become a boy and vice versa. But to please the world and to please the self, people reject God and they suppress the truth. And God hands them over to those sinful desires. And it's these sinful desires. Yeah, these are, the, these are producing the statistics that we just read in the CDC report. This, this right here should be heartbreaking for every single Christian listening to this right now. And if you're a parent of a young child, teaching Genesis is so crucial. 
app teaching oh my gosh, yes. this male, female, and God's designed order is absolutely essential. This is where the biblical worldview starts, especially in today's day and age. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it's going to be harder if you're starting with a teenager going back to Genesis, but it is 100% still worth it. And that truth can absolutely penetrate their hearts and they can understand God's created order by learning what God has to say about it. So we had number one, social media. Number two was parents who want their kids to be happy. Number three, rejection of God's created order for male, female, and sex. Number four is going to be the required affirmation of sexual identity and gender because they want to require that from us. Now listen, no one wants to be called derogatory names. You might think that we all agree that derogatory names are bad and it should never happen. Well, that holds until you don't affirm someone's sinful, sexual, or gender identity. Because then you can be called a transphobe or a bigot or some other terrible name that they want to bully you with. It's totally okay for them to bully us, you see, because they self-identify in an oppressed group. And everyone knows you can say whatever you want, even if it hurts other people, if you are a part of an oppressed group. Therefore, we are all being pushed to affirm young people's new sexual or gender identity because we don't want to hurt their feelings. Y'all, this is the definition of insanity. Why on earth are we doing this? But even more than that, I think it's the definition of hate. Because listen, if I hated you, I'm just going to let you rot in your sin. I'm just going to let you do your thing and whatever that is because I hate you and I don't want what's best for you. But if I love you, I love you enough to tell you the truth, even if you don't like me for it. Loving is not affirming lies. And when we affirm someone's pronouns, when we affirm someone's sexual identity or gender identity that goes against God's created order, we are lying to them. And that is not love. That is hate. And we as parents should never be bullied into doing this just to make our kids love us, just because we fear that someone could take them from us. I would just like as a self-reflective question, if you feel yourself getting caught in this or if you have been caught in this, I just want you to consider what did you value more, the relationship or the person? And if you value the relationship more than the person, I, I I think that was an idolization because you should love that person more than you value the relationship. And that's a question for all of us as we are wrestling this out, because this is a hard place and a hard time to live as a Christian. I think it's always been hard, but it's, it's, it's a, I think it's, it's very much new for most of us who have been growing up in America where it's just been cozy and comfortable, right? Um, okay, so number five is public schools, social, social emotional learning. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, we had to put this in here because this is all of their solutions. And, and it's, yeah, it's not working. Okay, so let's kind of break this down a little bit. Yeah, we believe that SEL can have its place in children from traumatic or unstable homes as they try to incorporate in the school environment. We understand that counsel is necessary and we always, always, always um, uh, suggest counseling, affirm mostly biblical counseling, but we, we recognize that it has a place, okay? But we do not believe that a teacher's priority needs to be the social and emotional well-being of a child because, quite frankly, they're just supposed to teach. And we, we know that this means that 
This doesn't mean that they don't care, right? Lots of teachers care, and we recognize that. They wouldn't do their job if they didn't care about kids. But they need to actually teach the subjects math, reading, history, and science. Teachers don't need to be replacement guidance counselors. They need to be teachers. Kids need that in their lives. The model of a teacher and student, like that that relationship, it's worked for millennia. But SEL takes education out and replaces education, and it be, SEL becomes the number one priority. And the only thing accomplished here is a lack of education, a lack of learning. When education and learning got demoted in public schools, entertainment and a social agenda got promoted. And I don't know, I think it, it's indoctrination at this point. But now, we have kids who only want to be on YouTube or want to be TikTok famous. Who cares about school anymore, right? That's like the motto of kids. When will we see that the more we focus on mental health instead of the value of education, the more mental health problems there will be? You go to school to be educated. That's the purpose of school. It's not government-run schools do not need to be surrogate parents. No, I don't co-parent with the government. So those are five main reasons why we believe that all these statistics are being produced, why we're seeing the results that we're seeing, why we're seeing the sadness, hopelessness, suicide, all of this is because of these things. And yes, there are something that there's, there are things that every single brave parent can do. If the first thing you do is just hold off on social media, praise God, you, you are already winning the game. Like a hundred percent. You may never be asked to affirm your child's, you know, change gender. You may never be asked to do that. And praise God, if that doesn't happen, but you need to be prepared, be prepared if you do if that comes up, right? So this is really what we want to equip you with. And, and, you know, frankly, you know me, I could really go on for a list of 10 things and add number six, online porn, number seven, video games, number eight, TikTok, number nine, YouTube, and number 10, the internet, just as a whole. But (laughs) from a biblical worldview, the results of the study very clearly and obviously point to a rejection of God or at the same time, the love of the world. Young people need the gospel. Y'all, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. We need parents who can do the hard work. Parents have the most profound job in the world, and we really need to begin taking it seriously. There is a crisis of depression and hopelessness, and the answer is not found in the world. It's not found in another program. It's not found in in medication to help their depressive symptoms. It's just a Band-Aid, right? Affirmation and and inclusion it's only going to breed more destruction. It's just more affirmation of lies. What young people need today is the good news that we have a Savior who takes away our sins and gives us the Holy Spirit to change our hearts. Behavior modification will not change our hearts. And this, these statistics are going to continue to worsen until there is heart change. Because remember, our thinking feeling and willful hearts, they are not neutral and they are engaging in a non-neutral world that's being pushed to social agenda, that's being pushed to government agenda, that's being pushed lies from the enemy. Nothing is going to improve in these reports until the heart is changed and nothing will change the heart but Jesus Christ. Amen. That is a good word right there. That is good hope. It's hope. It It is hope. Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. And so if that means that you get involved with your own kids more than you were before, 
and and maybe you're talking, maybe you're doing some research on some of these, uh, the way that policies and politics is influencing them in their public schools. Maybe you're getting involved in the school board. Maybe in your youth group at your church, just pouring into teenagers. There are so many ways to just educate yourself in this. Firm up your own biblical worldview so that you can understand what's going on in the world around us because it matters. It does. It absolutely does. These kids' lives are, I don't want to say they're at stake, but the quality of their life is at stake if we continue to affirm these lies and essentially hate them in the process. And that, that's all there is to it. If we don't care that they are sad, depressed, hopeless, and suicidal, then how selfish of us. Yeah. I, what, what's our heart like? Why is apathy so strong? So, all right, we're going to tie that up here because I think we have talked about this a lot. We are going to link all of the, we'll link the 2019, the 2021 studies that just came out. So you can look at that and everything else that we talked about will be linked here in the show notes. So feel free to spend some time researching that. And I pray that this message was um, helpful for you, that you glean some, some needed insight um, in order to love young people um, well by not affirming but, but just by loving and telling them the truth and teaching them God's design. Reach out to us if you have any questions. You can reach us at podcast at braveparenting.net. Be sure to check back those older episodes if you have not listened to them either. And if you subscribe to the podcast, we would love that. It helps other listeners find the podcast and make sure that you do not miss any episodes. Y'all, until next week, go and be brave. Be brave.